So, Harry. Yeah? If you and me were to go on a little road trip together, mm-hmm. who would get in more trouble and why, in your opinion? Okay. Um, well, let's see. Now, immediately I'll go to you. Sure. Because you're genu- generally an idiot who doesn't... You, you're not good at things. <laughs> Way harsh, Ty. <laughs> but then, thinking about that answer, there is also me. I have the habit of being a bit too confident and just insulting people randomly. This is also very yeah. true, yeah. So, it's a tough one to call, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think that I'd be more likely to get into more trouble, mm-hmm. but you'd be worse at getting out of it. Yeah, I think you would have people actively trying to kill you. <laughs> I, I just get into some like hilarious hijinks here and there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I'd be more capable with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it sounds like we'd be a pretty good team. <laughs> it would be very entertaining. Where are we going? I, I, away from danger. Okay. Some films are fine, just the way they are. Other films sometimes take it way too far. But really how, how that could it get? Let's go beyond. Beyond the box set. Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are pitching prequels, sequels, and spin-off ideas to Thelma and Louise. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing from our listeners with the ideas they've posted on Facebook and Twitter. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the original movie and catch you up with a bit of a plot summary. I am Harry, the host with the most fuel in my tank. <laughs> Is that what you call it? <laughs> <laughs> and joining me as always, he's running on fumes, it's John Lucas. Fair. It's been a long year. Yeah. <laughs> then it's only February. It's only March. <laughs> uh, so, Thelma and Louise. Yes, this was a you pick. Yeah. What made you want to choose this film? We did Little Miss Sunshine last week, and that was a, a classic road trip. And I thought, well, let's go to the the most classic road trip movie, mm-hmm. um, which I believe to be this. And uh, Certainly up there, yeah. I didn't disappoint. No, this is a great film. This is yeah. uh, this has been on my list for many a, many a year. Yeah. It's been a long time coming, this film. It is absolutely a classic. I was a bit iffy with doing it because a couple of my more recent picks have been like, great idea, but then when you actually watch it, it's like, oh, that's uh, swing and a miss. Yeah. And this one, I feel like it threatened that mm. towards the start. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, is this, is this actually going to have enough fun moments in it to sort of outweigh the, the downer? Mm-hmm. Um, and yes. Yeah, I was going to say, this film is a classic and it's great. It does kind of bum me out a little bit. Yeah. Not like to the point where there's lots of fun things we can talk about, and we will. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, it is a very sad story. Yeah. It's, it's just like this. It is. It's almost like a Greek tragedy. I think the, the thing that's going for it is it's just so well told and mm. so well acted. It is. It really is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, it's a fantastic story, but... It's almost sadder watching it the second time when you know that they die at the end. Spoiler, yeah. spoiler. Because <laughs> um, it's just like this cons this like how do you describe it it's it's like this pincer of everything's closing in on them and they just keep mm. every decision they make is the wrong decision and yeah. it's just making things worse and it's also avoidable and it's all just like no no don't call the police again don't phone home again louise don't do it just keep oh, driving it's, it's not like that like it's, everything to do it's not every mistake they make or thing that makes it you know closer for the police to get them it's not like uh they shouldn't do those things or like they're making the wrong moves or, I disagree. I'm not. I'm not. Or, or, or that they could get out of it. Like, mm-hmm. like they they make a very good point early on of just being like, well, this has happened, but like no one's going to believe us. Yeah. So it's either our lives become that, or our lives become this. Mm-hmm. But 
our lives as they were before are basically over. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I'm not saying they should have gone to the police and been like, sorry. Yeah. But I, just, I, think every, I think they could have made it to Mexico. Okay. Just, there's a lot of mistakes made. There's a lot of yeah. poor choices and we'll talk yeah. about them. I mean, I, I mean but, yeah, yeah. There's, there certainly are a couple that are undeniable, mm-hmm. but yeah. I, th- I think on the whole, yeah, well, I don't know. I, but I, I really liked it. I didn't feel it was a, a downer. No, it's not. Knowing, knowing what happens at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that they die at the end because... I have seen this before once and I remember that scene at the end being like not a sad moment. No, it's quite uplifting in a weird yeah, it's, way. It's, it's very it, like, it's empowering. Yeah, it is. It really is yeah. Um, in, in, yeah, a, a very weird way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like it was drawn towards a downer because I remember it being this big empowering moment. Sure. I guess it's more that I really fall in love with them as characters because the acting is fantastic and it's so well written mm. that you do, you root for them. I think, cause you know that the, you're right. It, it is somewhat of an empowering ending and it's very, you know, bittersweet and, you know, and probably the only way it could have ended realistically. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I, th- I think it's probably the happiest way it could have ended. Oh sure. Yeah. 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 Cause the other way would just be, Oh, they get caught by the police and go to court and prison and stuff. Yeah. And it, it was never <laughs> going to be that movie. No. But, <laughs> no, I just think because you, for me, it was just falling and I'm not saying the ending is wrong. It's great, but yeah, because you fall so much in love with the characters over the course of the film. You're just willing them to get out of it. Even though you know that they can't, it's kind of like, yeah. you know, there's no rationalizing it. But you're just like, oh, come on, get to Mexico. Yeah. But you know it's not going to happen for them. So yeah. it is, it's 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 not a complaint about the film itself. I think it is almost a perfect film. It's mm-hmm. wonderful, but it is very sad yeah. in its way. Not like, oh, depressing. Just like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just moving. It's sad. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a sad story. But Do you know what's a weird contrast This watching this film now? Mm-hmm. Is that... Uh, looking back at how this film did in the Oscars, mm-hmm. it was not nominated for Best Picture. It was not, no. It was nominated for six other awards, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it won writing. I think it was the only one. Yes, the only it, one it got. Yeah. Like six nominations. That's a that's a good good haul. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's pretty good. But yeah, not Best Picture, mm-hmm. and it's a very iconic film, and it's very entertaining to watch for a multitude of reasons. Mm. And then you compare it to this year's Oscars. Yeah, I was Which, thinking that you know they, they've got one or two films that are moderately entertaining to watch, mm. and the rest of them are like, really, this is okay. Yeah, I did think that. I had the same thought. I was thinking, this is what this this year's Oscar season is really missing. It is like yeah. a real feel good quality film yeah. that is just you know rather than just like parade of depression. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and well, also, well, because this is kind of that. Like it's mm. taking a. It's taking a depressing subject matter mm. and just putting a... It's not even a positive spin. That's not quite the right words, but you no, know what I mean. Yeah, it takes you on a journey. Yeah. I feel like Promising a Woman probably isn't a million miles away from this. If yeah. you think about it, like yeah. similar things happen on paper. And yeah. it's, it's also got that funny sad, but it's obviously a lot darker in many ways. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. And I'm, it's interesting that it didn't get Best Picture nominated because I bet even in 1991, I bet half the films that did get nominated aren't half as well remembered as this one is. Yeah. This must be one of the all-time great films of its time. Oh, I'm just going to... Quickly look it up. I think I had it open earlier. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, Silence of the Lambs won it. Yep, classic, deserved, can't argue with that. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, a classic, can't argue with that. And then I've not heard of the following three, which are Bugsy. Uh, yeah, certainly not as famous as this. I know of it. It's, it's Warren Beatty and Annette Benning, I think, but I've never seen it. Certainly not as iconic as this. Sure. JFK. Yeah, that's a, again, I've not seen it, but obviously it's about JFK, yeah. John, John, John F. Kennedy. Um not as iconic as this. Other than the name of the president, I've, I've literally not yeah. heard of that film. It's, it is it is a famous film, but it's not this. Yeah. And the Prince of Tides. Oh, Barbara Streisand. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't like it, 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 the Prince of Tides. I've 
thought of doing it on this podcast before because in many ways it's ludicrous but in, in, it's also got some very depressing elements and i was like well, yeah. it's that same thing will it be fun or will it be a bummer mm-hmm. maybe one day i'll try it i'll have to revisit it privately first and check what the where it falls yeah uh, but yeah it's it's kind of a comedy classic in an inadvertent way it's not as good as this film mm-hmm. it's not as good as family louise yeah yeah. yeah, so looking at it, The Silence of the Lambs really swept that Oscars. It did, yeah. Got picture, directing, actor, actress. I think the only reason it didn't beat Thelma and Louise in writing was because it was based on a book. So a different category, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, also, famously, this was the most recent time in history when Best Actress category had two actors from oh, yeah. the same film. Both Thelma and Louise, both Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis were nominated for Best Actress, mm-hmm. which I think is absolutely correct. Because Definitely, you couldn't yeah. possibly say one's the lead, one's the supporting. No. It is a two-hander. No. And they're both as good as each other. Not, mm-hmm. No one is better than the other. That being said, a lot of people think that's probably why they, they, they split, they split the vote and Jodie Foster won. Yeah. Not that, I mean, Jodie Foster in Sounds of the Lambs is oh, she's great, incredible. Yeah. And basically the fact that Sands of the Lambs won every other award going means she might have won anyway. Yeah. But she'd also won an Oscar two years before, so it wasn't like everyone was like, wow, Jodie Foster really needs an Oscar in her life. So yeah. I think if this film came out today, they'd probably put Gina Davis in supporting and Susan Sarandon would win. You think? I think, yeah. Mm. She's just got a slightly meatier role. Yeah, I, I know yeah. what you mean. But yeah. yeah. It's, it's like splitting hers. I, I think it's right that they both got nominated. Yeah. No, in, I, in I, to- I totally agree. It's like the opposite of the bullshit. I mean, have you watched Judas uh, and the no, Bonacida? Well, I would spoil it, but uh, the fact that Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya are both nominated for Best Supporting is a crock of shit. Why are they both the lead? They're both clearly the lead. I would Great. say <laughs> if one is the lead over the other, it's Lakeith Stanfield should be the lead. And I can understand why you could might put Daniel Kaluuya in support. Yeah. And we'll have this discussion when you get around to watching it. Yeah. But the fact that they're both in support is bullshit because they're both in support. Who the fuck is the lead of that movie? Because they are the two. <laughs> it is their movie. It's just absolute nonsense. But yeah. that's a different episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Thelma. I'm going to Mexico. Now, I figure I can make it in two and a half days, but I'm going to have to haul ass. Are you up to this? I mean, I got to know. This isn't a game. I'm in deep shit, and I got to know what you're going to do. I don't know. I don't know, Louise. I mean, I don't know what you're asking. Now, don't you you start flaking out. I mean, God damn it, Thelma. Every time we get in trouble, you just get blank or... Or, or pleading sanity or some such shit. Not this time. I mean, this time, things have changed. Everything's changed. But I'm going to Mexico. I'm going. Cool, right. So should we do a plot summary on this then? Hit me, yeah. Do you okay. So Thelma and Louise yes. are two people who live somewhere in America. Arkansas. Arkansas. The deep, in the South. It's clearly a South Southern right, movie, sure. yeah. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I'm not sure if I just missed it or if they really sort of skim over where their lives are at. Well, it seems like, so they're, they're but, obviously but, good w- friends. But one thing that I love about this movie is it so quickly gets into it drops the road you it, trip. Yeah, it doesn't give you too much boring backstory. It's like, it doesn't need to. No, it sets you up straight away. But yeah. basically what we can gather is they're obviously very close friends. Yeah. Louise, played by Susan Sarandon, is working as a waitress. Mm-hmm. And Thelma, played by Gina Davis, is seems to be a housewife. We don't see yeah. her working. And she's in a very unhappy marriage with a complete 
Dalt, buffoon, <laughs> I pig. Love him. He's, he's great. great. He's a great. He's, he's really good. He's a great character. <laughs> Funny thing about Daryl. He's called Daryl. Uh, the, the character, not the actor. Yeah. He was actually Gina Davis's ex-boyfriend. Oh right. And they were looking for like, oh, who can play this really awful guy? And she's like, I know just the guy that I used to date him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's probably a big favor. Like, yeah, this no, is of a good course, no. For him. They were clearly friends. Obviously, she gave him a massive favor because it's yeah. a great role. But like, I wonder if it was like, yeah, he's like, he's this. It could have been, oh, he's a great actor. He do really well in this. Or it could be. Oh, you want a dirt bag, do you? Yeah. I'll give you a dirt bag. <laughs> but whatever the reason that it works, he is hilarious. I love it, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, basically, it drops us into this world where, yeah, they're obviously neither of them particularly happy in their lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah. So they've got, a, is it just a weekend trip? Planned? Yeah, they've booked a weekend trip to stay in a cottage, right, like a yeah. fishing lodge somewhere that belongs to Louise's boss. Mm-hmm. And they've just got the opportunity to go for the weekend. And yeah. Just have some fun. Just yes. Yeah, see, see, these are things I wasn't too sure on because they're not important and they're only mentioned for like no, it, a minute at the start. It's just moving the chess pieces around so you can get to the main scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they've got this fantastic car. I don't mm-hmm. know where they got the fantastic car from. I think it must just be Louisa's car. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Yeah. This convertible green sort of, yeah. hatchbacky kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It, it looks fantastic. It does look good. Yeah. Um. That being said, they should have traded it in so many times in this movie. <laughs> One of the many, we'll get to one of the many mistakes. Trade in that car. Switch the car, bitches. Yeah. But you, you don't want to get stuck on, like, on a on a road trip of the ages mm. in just like a in terrible a car. car. No. Like that car is built for road trips. That it, is a road trip car right there. Oh, it is. It's it's, it's, its own character in this movie. I'm yeah. not denying that at all. I'm just thinking, logically, if they wanted to get away with this, as soon as they killed that guy, switch the car. Definitely. Yeah. 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 No, you, but anyway, you clearly done this before. I, I, I would be well prepared. <laughs> Next time I kill a cop or a rapist or anyone, <laughs> you won't see me for dust. Yeah, I'll be in Mexico before you can blink. <laughs> um, yeah, so they drive out, and uh, for the first evening, they stop at this bar, mm-hmm. parking outside, and uh, forgot, I don't think Louise likes to socialize at all very much she, she's so louise is the sensible smart one certainly yeah. and and she's like thinking about the whole trip and you know mm. she's the one who plans everything and organizes everything Thelma's just just along for a fun time yeah Thelma as her marriage is miserable she doesn't yeah. like her husband she's been married to him since she was like 18 and she's been with him since she was like 14 she said mm-hmm. so she's just out for a good time she's like she's not told she's She's not told him that she's leaving mm-hmm. and she's just left him a note. So she's really rebelling and she's clearly just like let it all hang out. She's like, my hair is down. I'm yeah. here for a good time. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So the two of them are sat at a table having a drink and you've seen the story a million times. Mm-hmm. A guy comes up and starts flirting with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan Sarandon, she's, she's not into it. She's like, I would like to talk to my friend, please. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, Thelma is like completely into him. Also increasingly drunk, which is not yes. helping her judgment. Yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so she ends up dancing with him on the dance floor for presumably hours. Yeah. I loved this bar scene though. Yeah. I loved everything about this bar. The fact that they actually, it could not have been more like 90s, like early 90s of its time. <laughs> like there's actually a line dance scene. I was so happy when they fully start line dancing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've never understood it. Does everyone know the dance? Or it is weird. Yeah. It's like just no matter, no matter how drunk or crazy they are, suddenly they're in like perfect syncopated yeah. rhythm. It's like... <laughs> I guess it's very easy to do if you know how to do it, but yeah, I guess maybe yeah. laugh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, they do that, and then when they finish the line dance, she uh, Thelma's like getting really drunk and mm. like she's sort of wobbling around a bit. And, well, he and, keeps spinning around as well, which is yeah, not helping her. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and he says that uh, she needs to go outside and get some fresh air. Mm. Good advice. Yeah. This is where the good advice ends. Yes, very much so. Uh, <laughs> and 
yeah, then we get the scene that just builds up to him raping her. It's very harrowing. It is, yeah. It's a very harrowing rape scene. Like yeah. This film really, when it's funny, it's really funny and very broadly funny. There's mm-hmm. some parts which I would say are almost cartoonish and oh, we'll talk about them. Yeah. But when it gets to like very real scenes like this, it is, it, yeah, it's incredibly harrowing and very real. So, Well, this is the realest scene of the film. Probably, yeah. Yeah, so shortly after he's started for lack of a better word yeah Um, he he like punches her it's very like i said it's very graphic yeah yeah yeah, it's yeah it's horrible um but at this point louise shows up Mm -hmm. and uh she's got well thelma actually brought a gun um which they revealed earlier yeah and louise said i'll just put it in my handbag yeah this is this is chekhov's gun to the power of literally. (laughs) (laughs) at least they don't make you wait too long for it to actually go off but yeah it is very much chekhov's gun yeah definitely yeah um, so yeah, Louise comes and she, she points the gun at him mm. and, you know, like he stops and backs off and he's like still being very aggressive. He doesn't seem scared of the gun at all. No, yeah. And, uh, now with Thelma standing behind Louise, Louise is like, you know, what, what, what does she say? Well, he says we were just having a little bit of fun That's and it, she yeah. says, well, for your information, next time a woman, when a woman is crying and screaming like that, she's not having any fun. Yeah. So yeah, she, she kind of schools him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he says like well suck my cock or something yeah like he's that. just being horribly abusive yeah. and clearly this is very triggering for louise because we find out as the film goes on clearly this is something that she feels very personally about as well as yeah you know, it generally being horrible so yeah. yeah and so yeah after he says that uh without hesitating she just shoots him in the chest yep point uh, blank range dead in an instant well, yeah, fall, yeah falls down dead and like mm-hmm. that's it's happened yes yeah. it's pretty quick it's a it's a bit shocking it is it's a great um, scene yeah. and they both act it fantastic. They both act very differently, very mm. well. I mean, they're both amazing in this film. Like, yeah. I, I think they're just superb. But yeah, absolutely. This is one of the best scenes. So. Mm-hmm. All right, hey, 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 just calm down. We're just having a little fun, that's so. all. Looks like you got a real fucked up idea of fun. Go on. Go on. Turn around. In the future, when a woman's crying like that, she isn't having any fun. Yes, then they uh, jump in the car and drive off quite fast, Mm -hmm. somewhat noticeably to to other road users. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the first of many times when they don't cover their tracks terribly well. No. (laughs) Um, Where do they go from here? Do they just go back to the motel or something? Yes, so obviously they're in a bit of a panic and... uh, Thelma wants to go to the police, but Louise refuses. She's like, yeah. nobody would ever believe us. Yeah. And I'm not going to the like police. They've, they've seen you dancing with them all night. So. Yeah, that's it. They're like, they won't believe for a second that you weren't, quote unquote, asking for it, that yeah. kind of thing. And it's the first of many hints in the movie that clearly something very similar has happened to her at some point in her life. Because mm-hmm. she she's obviously incredibly traumatized by, by all that's happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they, they drive off to a hotel to kind of calm down and they spend a night in some motel. And as, at a certain point, Louise decides that she's going to have to flee to mexico to escape mm-hmm. the law because obviously if she crosses over the border she, she'll be safe essentially yeah so she tells Thelma that's what she's going to do mm-hmm. but on, in order to get there they're going to need some money because they don't have any money on them at all mm. so she louise calls her old flame ex-boyfriend i guess right yeah i wasn't i wasn't too sure i thought that he was like her husband currently or something no because he, he proposes to her or gives her his old ad- oh, yeah yes, yes he does yeah ivory proposes to her i think he's supposed to be proposing or i guess he could be giving her old wedding ring back i don't know I took it as he was like an old flame, like the one that got mm, away yeah. kind of thing. But they've obviously got a close relationship still. Yeah. 
But he's present enough that uh, Felmer does recognize him later in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's obviously very significant in Louise's life. So Louise calls this guy who is called Jimmy, mm-hmm. who is played by Michael Madsen. Mm-hmm. And, and Michael Madsen's amazing hair. Michael Madsen's incredible hair, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll wait for drinking games. We'll talk about the hair in this movie. <laughs> But yeah, and she's, she won't tell him exactly what's gone down, but she says, look, I'm in trouble. I need money. Can you help? Yeah. And he is clearly, you know, very fond of her still. He's like, yeah, of course, whatever you need, mm-hmm. I can get you the money. Mm-hmm. Go to this motel or this address and I'll leave it for you. Yeah. I'll wire it to you or something. Yeah, yeah. So they do that and they set off to the motel. Mm-hmm. And en route to that motel, that's when they first run into sexy hitchhiker Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt starts his career. Yeah, indeed. This is the film that made Brad Pitt a star. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Damn right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> People saw him in this and they were like, God damn. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. It was not because of his acting ability. Like he's fine. He, he's not bad. He's yeah. fine. Like the accent comes and goes, but he's fine generally. But yeah. there's a reason this film got him so much attention and it was... He suits the cowboy look. Very much so, yeah. Yeah. It definitely works for him. Well, I think he suits the shirtless look as well to the point. Th- 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 does that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, personally, I don't, I don't like it in this. What, his body? He, he's not got enough body fat. No, he, I agree. He, I, he's I, muscly, but also very skinny. No, I'm, I'm the same. I, I don't particularly like this uber carved out body type in the, at the best of times, but he just looks, yeah, he looks like he's been carved from marble. Like yeah. he doesn't look like a human being in any way, shape or form. But this yeah. film will take any opportunity to take his shirt off. Like <laughs> they know what they have. Like, <laughs> but it's like, it's in character though. It is completely. Yeah. Cause like. He knows that he's that handsome. It's an iconic role. Yeah. That's why he became a movie star. Like yeah. he is like the definition of 90s sexy. Like people mm-hmm. would say, oh, Brad, you know, like that Shania Twain song. You know? Yeah. yeah. You think you're Brad Pitt. They're doing imp- I kept waiting to hear that song on this song. <laughs> even though it would have made no sense because that song came out like 10 years later. Yeah. I was kind of like, I feel like that song is just fits this film. Probably because <laughs> that, I don't know, the video or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so Brad Pitt shows up. That was a ramble. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, and he's a hitchhiker, mm-hmm. and Gina Davis, Felmer immediately is just like, her tongue just rolls out of her mouth and hits the ground. <laughs> She's just like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so she wants to pick him up and take him with them, mm-hmm. but Louise obviously is like, no, that's absolutely not going to happen. Mm. No way. So they leave him and hit the road and carry on driving. But then some miles later, they pass by him again. Yeah. How? Don't know. I guess this they, happens a lot in this film. I was like, are they doing loops? I I, wa- I was wondering, like, how how on earth they're like because they keep leapfrogging him, and not just him because the the petrol uh, like the gas tank driver as well. They keep well, well, like well, they I keep guess lapping the, him them too. Them and the gas tank driver there, they, they must just be on the same route. Sure. And so they stop at a motel. Oh, he, I guess, he, yeah. he carries on and maybe sleeps less and sleeps in his truck or something. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. So that's that's a bit odd. But yeah, why they keep bumping into Brad Pitt? It's kind of unclear like i guess that he must have found a ride with somebody else then they've stopped overnight somewhere and he's overtaken them mm. yeah it's it's a bit convenient but sure yeah like the other thing is that nobody in this movie runs into anyone who is not significant to the plot like these yeah. are empty roads <laughs> but regardless they run into him again and the second time felma begs once again and louise relents and agrees that they can take him a little way a yeah, little yeah. way but they can't take him too far yeah so he, he hops in the back and joins them and him and Felma are instantly flirting and yeah, <laughs> very much attracted to each other. Yeah. yeah. I like that he jumps in the car and like in the motion of that, Felma turns around and he's just permanently sitting backwards now. Oh yeah, completely. <laughs> it's it's very like high school crushy. Like, it's yeah. great. It's the, the physicality of their flirting. she's supposed to be? Well, I don't know. She was younger than Susan Sarandon. Right? She's about, Gina Davis is about eight years younger than Susan Sarandon mm-hmm. and looks it. I guess she could be anything between like early 20s to early mid to mid 30s. I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, sort of what Adler picked out, I think. Yeah, and I guess Brad Pitt must have been in his early 20s, I'd yeah. imagine, or mid-20s at the most. Yeah. yeah. In his prime, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they pick Brad Pitt up and clearly sparks are flying with him and Felmer. Mm-hmm. And then they stop at the motel where Jimmy has instructed Louise to stop to pick up Cash. Yeah. And she runs in and not only is Cash waiting for her, Jimmy is waiting for her himself. Mm-hmm. He, he's actually come down to the motel to wait for her. Mm-hmm. So they spend the night together and kind of reconnect. Yeah. And this is when he does what I believe to be a really weird proposal. Yeah. It seems like they've obviously got a lot of history together and they both really care about each other, but there's some, something's gone down and they're not, they're, they're clearly not like together together, but yeah. He's, he's like got her back. He's like, whatever she does, he's, he's going to support her. So he's like, mm-hmm. whatever their relationship might be, he's, he's supportive of her. And he's like, she won't tell him what trouble she's in or what's happened. All mm-hmm. she'll say is it's bad and I need your help. And he's yeah. like, okay, if you don't want to tell me, I don't need to know. Here's the money. Yeah. But he does also propose to her and she's like, it's not a really good time, <laughs> but I'll take the ring. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird proposal because he doesn't make eye contact with her once. Yeah. He's always looking like, the same direction that she's looking yeah it's just it's weird maybe it's supposed to be like he's you know suppressed macho man who can't really express his feelings i guess thing. yeah potentially yeah but they spend the night together anyway and kind of reconnect and mm-hmm. then he leaves her with the money he, he gives her the money which she then gives to, to felma to for safekeeping yeah and then he leaves her <laughs> <laughs> big mistake decision in the world big mistake i Huge. think the what she what what they should have done is just split the money two ways like take half each yeah. Because then, you know, it kind of does increase the chance that something goes wrong. But it means that if something goes wrong, they're only going to lose half the money. Oh, completely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, as as opposed to exactly what does happen, that Velma is, she's not the sharpest tool in the shed. No. And uh, Brad Pitt steals all the money. Yeah, basically, the, while Louise is spending time with her ex, mm. uh, Velma is getting the ride of her life from Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> They're having a good old night together, yeah. They there's the the iconic sex scene, which is probably again one of the most iconic scenes in the movie after the <laughs> ending. Um but before that as well, he also reveals that he is a armed robber. He's been or he's been involved in some armed robbers. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he talks her through how he's done it, how he robs convenience stores, etc. Yeah. So I they, just show them my charisma and they give me money. Basically, yeah. I just lift my abs up and everyone's so missed, <laughs> so hypnotized, and I just open the till. Um <laughs> But yes, he tells her about that and then they, yeah, they play patty cake and then they have sex. That's basically <laughs> what they do. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but that, yes, the next morning, Felma wakes up and he's stolen all of their money. Mm-hmm. And Louise takes this very, very poorly. She's yeah. really like crushed. It's like all hope is gone. She's yeah. crying. She's devastated. She doesn't well, know what I mean, to do. I mean, you would take it. Of course. Quite, yeah. Quite, she's quite literally just got point. this money. Yeah, yeah. Like within a matter of hours, it's been and gone. It's like, like her only chance to get money, basically, as far as she's concerned, it's her only chance to get money. Mm. And she needs this because she's running from the police for her life. Yeah. Uh, like without money, she can't do it. You know, you can't buy fuel for the car. You can't buy food, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I would like absolutely lose it. I would shout my head off. I'm sure. At, at Thelma for this. So like I really... I really respected her for just being able to sort of, I mean, she was having a breakdown, but like have a quiet breakdown. Yeah. So I put her head between legs and just like, oh my God, everything's screwed. Rather than just be like, Thelma, you stupid idiot. This is all your fault. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I agree. Well, I really like the way their friendship dynamic works because yeah. up until this scene, it's very much like, like you said, Thelma's a bit ditzy. She's not necessarily the sharpest, you know, most mm-hmm. street wise person in the world. And Louise is very like, this is what we're going to do. This is, you know, I'm looking after you. I'm making the decisions, you know, listen to me, whatever. Yeah. And then in this scene, when Louise completely breaks down and is just 
crushed a broken woman. You see that there's a snap in film. She's like, okay, I'm taking charge now. Mm. Louise, snap out of it. Mm-hmm. We're going right now. And she takes control. Yeah. And she take, and, and she finds a solution, which is mm-hmm. maybe not the best solution in the world, but she finds a solution. <laughs> hey, it works. It, in, well, I mean, it makes things I, a lot worse, but it works in this moment, yes. I, I feel like it's in the spirit of their road trip. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, not criticizing the way this film was written, just mm-hmm. certain decisions that the characters make. Yeah. Not the smartest, but yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so yeah, she goes into a shop and uh, she uh, she does exactly what Brad Pitt said, like literally to the word, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> she robs the place at, yeah. at gunpoint. And it's great. She thinks that she's got away with it. She runs back to the car and she's like, go, go, go. And she shows what she's done. I've got all this money. Look at this great thing that I've done. And we got away with it too. And then hard cut to CCTV. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I love this. Like it's the police watching the CCTV, showing it to her husband because they're at his house. They've tapped his phone. And he's previously said like, oh no, she like I bought her the gun, but like she, she never touched it. She wouldn't have a clue how to use it. She she wouldn't. Oh, Oh dear! Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the way that they showed us because you don't actually you don't actually see her going into the convenience store and robbing it in kind yeah. of quote unquote real time. Yeah, you have a little a very like sweet kind of quiet scene where Susan Sarandon is just kind of making eye contact with an old lady in a diner and she's kind of like contemplating the way her life's gone. Oh, <laughs> I guess this is where I'm at right now in my life. You know, yeah. this is this is a pretty pretty pickle I'm in. Uh-huh. And then just out of nowhere, Louise just comes, sorry, out of nowhere, Thelma comes like racing back mm-hmm. behind and jumps in the car. like, drive, drive, drive. Yeah, and like, at that moment, it, it, it just clicks for us, the audience. What's, what's happened? happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is it's such a well put together scene. It is. I mean, Ridley Scott, he's a great director. He's done yeah. many a good film. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, you're right. One of the subplots that's happening while Thelma and Louise are on their road trip is that the police are investigating the murder of the rapist from the old bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the police led by Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Also great hair. And they managed to trace through phone calls. I can't remember why, but they managed to trace the lead back to Thelma's husband, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Daryl. Yeah. And then they, yeah, they kind of move in with him and just squat for like three days. I'm like, yeah, it's weird, right? Like, are there no other crimes? I know murder's quite serious, <laughs> but are there no other crimes happening? You're yeah. dedicating this much time to this? This is what I've always thought for pretty much everything, everything where you see a detective or an inspector, mm. because you only ever see them working on the one story at once. Yeah. And it's like, so you, you are like the inspector. Yeah. There's only one crime. There's only the crime for the, the inspector. Like it doesn't make any sense. No. The only time when it's actually come up, I think, is uh, what's it called? Zodiac. Yeah. I mean, it's a serious film, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's one where they're like, "Yeah, no, we just stopped doing it because we had other th- other things." Yeah. It's like well, hundreds of murders a day where we are. Exactly. It's not. Even, <laughs> but the thing is, it's not even as if it's just Harvey Keitel can't let this go. Yeah. It's like the entire department is just like parked oh, yeah. out in Daryl's kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> There's like eight <laughs> cops like wiretapping and just sitting around watching porn. Like, yeah, yeah it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's really weird. <laughs> Morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is a robbery. Now, if nobody loses their head, nobody will lose their head. Sam said, y'all lie down on the floor, please. Right away. Me too. Ma'am, would you get down? Not you, sir. Let's see who'll win a prize for keeping their cool. Sir, would you do the honors? Take all the cash out of that rope and paper bag. Yes, ma'am. You have an amazing story to tell all your friends. Not you'll have a tag on your toe. You decide. Ma'am, would you be quiet, sir? Sit down, please. Thank you. Just stay there. Just get real comfortable. Hey, uh, I'll get some bottles of wild turkey, too, will you? Yes, ma'am. Now you get down, too? Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, 
want to thank you all for your cooperation. Now stay down on the floor till I'm gone. Have a good day. Jesus Christ. Good God. My Lord. But yeah, they are trying to get in touch with the women and find out where they are and what their plans are so that they can mm-hmm. intercept them and stop them before things get any worse. Yeah. And at a certain point, Louise actually tells Felma to call Daryl because she wants to know whether or not they're suspect yet, whether or not that mm-hmm. anyone's actually trying to chase them or not. And so she's yeah. like, listen, just if you have any suspicions that Daryl might know something, he might be talking to the cops, hang up immediately because yeah. they'll be tapping the phones. They'll be fu- chasing the line. Yeah, yeah. And this is such a funny scene. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so louise uh, so felma calls her husband and is he literally picks up the phone and he goes hi babe and she just immediately just goes click he knows <laughs> no hesitation just like click yeah he knows i think that felma's probably my favorite character in this she's very because delightful she's yeah. got the most to do and she has such development mm, such yeah. great character development because she starts off like she's like we said, she's she's not the sharpest tool in the. She's shed. a downtrodden housewife, yeah, yeah. And she's yeah. As Australians would say, she's got a couple of kangaroos loose in the top paddock. You've been watching too much Catherine Kim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So she starts off like that, and then like by midway through the film, she's this smart that like and she's so capable by the like, end. Oh, yeah. she knows. And, like he. Oh, he knows. Mm. And you know she's robbing shops and and all sorts. And then I I love it. Like shortly before the end. You know, before the build-up to the final scene, I'm trying to get sorry. Sure, yeah. She has that little moment where she turns to Louise and says, "Like Louise, I feel so awake right now." Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I can, I can really see why. Like you've committed this to being your life, and this is it at its fullest, and mm-hmm. it's very intense. But you look so calm. Yeah, because she's her life before now has just been like she's been sleepwalking. She's not yeah. done anything with herself, and now suddenly she's yeah, like you said, she's. She's found something she's really good at. It happens to be a life of crime, but she's yeah. very, very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really like the scene again, jumping ahead a little bit, but when they put the other police officer in the back of the trunk mm-hmm. and he starts crying and he says, please, I've got a wife and kids. And she's like, oh, you got a wife, eh? Look at you. Be nice to her. My husband wasn't very nice to me. Look how I turned out. <laughs> but she's just so cool and collected compared to what she was at the beginning. It's great. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. She's like a hardened criminal. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so... She knows immediately, okay, that the police are tapping the phones. Mm. But then Louise makes one of her biggest mistakes when she calls Daryl back and mm-hmm. starts talking. She has to speak to the police officers. Yeah. I'm like, Louise, don't do this. This is a mistake. <laughs> They're going to trace you. They're going to mm-hmm. trace you. But she has a brief conversation with Harvey Cartel and he's like, look, I know you're in a bad way, but you just need to surrender because I can't help you if you keep running from the law and making things worse. And she's mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to do that. And she hangs up. Whatever. But now he kind of knows what her game is i think he mentions as well oh you you're not going to make it to mexico mm. so he, he reveals that he knows that their plan is to get to mexico yeah which kind of rattles her a little bit because mm-hmm. it turns out oh yeah because it turns out that oh, brad yeah, she, pitt, yeah she told brad pitt yeah look felma told brad pitt what the plan was not mm-hmm. i don't think she told him why but she told him that they were going to mexico mm-hmm. and then shortly after brad pitt steals all their money he is arrested for something mm-hmm. probably the armed robbery yeah and then we see him being interrogated and he kind of spills the beans on them basically mm-hmm. so yeah so now they know that they're headed to mexico yeah but they're headed to mexico from arkansas but for reasons louise won't go into she refuses to go through texas mm-hmm. which is a big big problem if you're <laughs> if you are familiar with the map of america i'm just looking it up oh yeah that it, they are they are screwed yeah <laughs> there's literally nothing between arkansas so, so, and mexico. Yeah, like, so yeah like arkansas is uh northeast of texas yeah like just bordering texas it's northeast of texas mm-hmm. 
And so they have to go literally all the way around Texas anti-clockwise to get to get there. So yeah, that's going to be thousands of miles. Yeah. Instead of a thousand, maybe I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the best, but again, it's it's another hint that Louise has some very deep trauma related to Texas, and there's lots of references through the film of like what happened in Texas that she's mm-hmm. never told. She's never told Felmer about. She, she refuses to talk about it. She doesn't like mentioning it. But it's pretty obvious that yeah. And the, I mean, at a certain point, Felmer just up and says it to her. She's like, "You were raped as well, weren't you?" Yeah. In because all, all the time, whenever it, the, the situation around the rape happened uh, is discussed, Louise is like, "They'll never believe you. They'll just say you're asking for it, and mm-hmm. you know, there's no way the police will be on your side." So it's pretty obvious that she was at some point sexually assaulted, and the police didn't help her, and that's why she's incredibly traumatized, and that's probably why she reacted the way she did when it mm-hmm. happened to Felmer and all of this stuff. So it's very, very sad. But yeah. that's why she won't go through Texas because Texas is, for her, in her mind, very much bound up with that experience that she had. So mm-hmm. they're having to somehow get to Mexico by going around Texas, which is a complete nightmare. Mm-hmm. So they keep on driving, I guess. And But the, the net is... Now that the police know what they're doing, the net is very much starting to tighten. And this is when the film yeah. gets very increasingly tense and you like and stressful to watch, in a good way. but Because mm-hmm. the police are getting closer and closer to catching them and... As Louise says at a certain point, it's like a snowball effect. They just keep somehow committing more crimes because they're just mm. things just keep getting worse for yeah. them. Um, they're, they're pulled over and almost caught by a traffic cop who actually only pulled them over for speeding because she was doing like 110 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So then she gets pulled over and taken into his car and it, he almost finds out who she is. He's, he's going to radio in their license plate, which would obviously... Yeah immediately be picked up for what they were yeah but then felma once again being very capable as you say she's mm-hmm. got very good at this she holds the police officer up at gunpoint mm-hmm. makes him give them his gun mm-hmm. and puts him in the back of his police car yeah shoots some air holes in the trunk oh. so he doesn't die first yes yeah, yeah obviously before he goes in yeah <laughs> that would that be a mistake <clears throat> although i did think it's a very hot day yeah i was thinking that too and like at least give him a drink or something or he doesn't does need to be locked in the boot but they lock him in the boot after having taken the beers out of the boot. Yeah. Which is just unfair. I mean, firstly, don't take a man's beer. Secondly, <laughs> don't take a man's beer and lock him in the boot in a hot desert. Yeah. With presumably no other liquid. Yeah, I was thinking he wouldn't last very long in yeah. that scenario. Especially considering these are roads that nobody ever drives on, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Just criminals and the occasional cyclist, that's it. Mm-hmm. But regardless, they do that and they leave him. They also have a number of run-ins with a slack-jawed yokel kind of gas truck driver like big mm-hmm. old articulated gas lorry yeah who is just throwing them the worst kind of sexual abuse just you know the, the grossest kind of you know mm-hmm. doing the tongue don't. thing okay yeah it's a podcast john i don't need that. you don't need to see that fine no. you know what i mean just making obscene gestures at them <laughs> and you know asking them inappropriate questions and all just just of just being horrible yeah and they run into him like three times over the course of their trip and the first two times they ignore him they're just like you're disgusting whatever mm-hmm. But the third time they snap mm-hmm. and they, they trick him into pulling over. They pull over, they get him to walk away from the van. Yeah. And he's and they're like, would you talk to your daughter like that? And he's like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, he's not going to apologize. And they shoot at his gas tank mm-hmm. and blow it up. Yep. And it's the most cartoonish moment in the movie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he's just like, you goddamn bitches, you ventral bitches, blah. It's like, it's very silly. <laughs> but. And also, would that work? If you shot a lorry with a, reg- a little pistol, would it blow up? uh maybe I, I i don't know no i don't know either yeah i mean i i don't think that they make fuel tanks bulletproof mm-hmm. so yeah i guess that but i mean would it explode or would it just like leak out uh, would it be like the, the the dynamite in the bullet would make it a spark or something 
You know, I don't know. Uh, the bullets, I don't know why I think you would know. <laughs> but not, not, not all bullets explode, mm. but the metal against the metal of the fuel tank might cause a spark. Mm. And then I think depending on the fuel, I don't know, because um, some fuels do have a, a very high flash point where it's quite difficult to ignite them. Yeah. I, I, I don't know which fuels are which, whereas some fuels, they will just blow up. I mean, like petrol, I think, will ignite very quickly and easily. Yeah. So then, yeah, the petrol in his little fuel tank would explode and that explosion could explode the trailer Uh which is in this case full of fuel so yeah that would make a very very big explosion which it does okay fair enough fine yeah i mean it's a great scene yeah you don't want to nitpick it's a great scene essentially uh so they do that they they blow up his truck you say you don't want to nitpick but i always do no i love nitpicking yeah Yeah. i mean i I don't like nitpick critically nitpick to you about the poster indeed yeah we can talk about it as well if you want but no i'm happy to nitpick but um yeah it's not a crit it shouldn't be read as a criticism of the writing of the film i'm fine (laughs) definitely yeah so they do that and now they've got like at least three major crimes on the cult on the rap sheet now Mm -hmm. if not four so there's murder or at least manslaughter for the rapist Mm -hmm. there's robbing the convenience store there is blown up the truck and there is putting the police officer in the back of the truck. So that's four major crimes. So that, yeah. now this qualifies as a spree, I would yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah. But for some reason, Louise just can't stop phoning home. <laughs> it's just like, stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Stop it. But she, again, she calls Daryl's house and speaks to Harvey Keitel and he's like, look, you need to give yourself up. You're mm. not going to make it. And she's like, no, I'm not, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to make it. And so she hangs up again. But in making that phone call, mm-hmm. they've finally traced their location. Yeah. So now it's all over, basically. As they're driving down the road, suddenly they're cornered by a massive amount of police cars and helicopters. Again, mm-hmm. seeming, even after the four crowns, it's seemingly <laughs> very disproportionate. This is like... Yes, it really is. This is the amount of like firepower you'd send to like, track down Osama bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> Not two little middle-aged ladies who shot a rapist that had robbed a tiny little dinky convenience store with mm-hmm. no fatalities. Like, yeah. But we've got... Yeah, there's like 12 <laughs> police cars... Sniper rifles, helicopters, the works that's mm-hmm. been chased off the road. Yeah. There's a very epic car chase scene mm-hmm. and they really hold their own for a long time. They managed oh, to yeah, they outrun do. them for a good while. Yeah, they drive they drive under a very low bridge. Which, that was exciting, uh, yeah. Which uh then another police car tries to do, but it can't fit, and so mm-hmm. he just gets kinda crushed. All the other police cars get stuck behind it. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, then they get away. It's great, but you can still feel the tension in this. Like It's clearly the end. They've the run out of road, yeah. This is great filmmaking because at this point, I don't think there's any music or anything. No. But just the very silently just driving through the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've come across the Grand Canyon and they're just driving along the side of it. And it's, it's just so eerie. And this is when Thelma says that line about, like, I feel awake. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, God, I understand. Absolutely. <laughs> um and then just like, because it's a big landscape shot they're showing. So it's very far away. And so they're driving along the top of this ridge of the uh, Grand Canyon. But in the ridge itself is the helicopter. Mm. And, like, you can see it, but like, you can't quite hear it. And it's like, oh my God, that's, oh, they're getting chased by a helicopter now. This is intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then, because they're driving quite fast and they accidentally very nearly drive off the edge. Yeah. They slam the brakes on, stop at the very last minute. And they're like, whew, that was close. And then the helicopter comes up in front of them. It's an amazing shot. Harvey mm-hmm. Keitel's in the helicopter. Yeah. Don't really know why he would be, but whatever. <laughs> uh, drama. Yeah. And uh, all the police cars appear behind them. Mm-hmm. So they quickly reverse away just from the edge of the cliff so they don't fall off and just stop and have a little think about what they're going to do. And you'll have seen this this scene in 
everything. It's been done and done and done and parodied and yeah. paid tribute to, but it's still a very powerful scene. It really it's is. Great, yeah. yeah. And oh, I forgot what line Thelma says, but I think she says something like, "I like they know the court. They know yeah. there's nowhere to go. It's over. Yeah. It's over." But she's just like, "I don't want to stop. Mm. Like, let's just keep going." And Louise yeah. is like, "Are you sure?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure." Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, and so yeah, they 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 hold hands, and Louise floors it on the accelerator. Well, they kiss. They yeah, they kiss. They hold hands. Yeah. Oh yeah, and. Uh, yeah, they, they, they drive off the cliff mm-hmm. and the film finishes with the car in the air. Bit of a freeze frame. Fades to white, yeah. And uh, yeah, then a montage of all the happy bits of the movie mm. as the credits roll. Yeah. That's it. It's a it's it's one of the all-time great movie endings, I think. Yeah, definitely. Do you know that when this film was released, it was marketed in the trailers as a comedy? I mean, well, it is it is a yeah. comedy. It is a funny film, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But like, it really like, I think it tricked people into thinking, oh, this is going to be like a feel-good wacky <laughs> romp mm-hmm. and then yeah it ends very powerfully yeah yeah that, that marketing is definitely misleading yeah but it, probably in a, <laughs> in a smart good way you know, this is before the internet when the internet would tell you what kind of film it was yeah so yeah 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 and that's film and louise yeah that's uh such a strong end it's such a yeah i love it when, when a film or a, or a tv show episode whatever has an end that it just it finishes and then there's nothing after it yeah you know, yeah, it's like, very bold. Yeah, like if Lord of the Rings or Justice League finished 45 minutes before it actually did. Oh, you mean there's no like subsequent scene of like Harvey Keitel picking the remains out of the... Like, just like, well, oh, well, not, that's no, a sad not quite that, but like, you know, Harvey Keitel just talking and saying, Some that, oh, kind such of, a shame, yeah. Yeah, blah, blah, there's blah. no like secondary... It ends exactly where it should end. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't need to tell you any more than that. I yeah. agree completely, yeah. It's, yeah, it's very good. No, it's a great... It was a great pick, a good film. Yeah, yeah thank you. Okay, then, listen. Let's not get caught. What are you talking about? Let's keep going. What do you mean? Go. You sure? Yeah. So, should we move on to drinking games? Sure. So, the first one I've got, which you may have noticed, mm. drink for smoking. Drink for smoking, yes. There this is, is very... a lot in this, particularly smoking indoors and or around food. Very much so, yes. Yeah. yeah. It took me back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back to those days, yeah. Certainly, yeah. There's a lot of, very 90s thing, a lot of smoking. A lot, mm-hmm. lot of smoking looks really cool, kind of. Mm-hmm. Susan's random smoking in a kitchen while preparing food for a customer. Oh, well, yeah, that's so gross. That, like, that's such a thing you would see all the time of like the waitress with the cigarette hanging out the side of uh, her mouth, just the ash dropping into the food. Just like, oh no. No. How did you get this far without a pandemic? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God knows. Yeah. Very good. On a similar note, drink for denim. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a staple of the 90s. Um, drink for bad driving or whenever anybody pops the horns. Well, I was going to say drink for dangerous driving, of which mm-hmm. there's much, or drink for drunk driving, yeah, of which there's also a great deal. That, yeah. I mean, they're both just constantly either drunk or drinking at the wheel, and it's very stressful. Yeah, yeah. it gets quite glamorized in this movie. It does quite a bit, yeah. It's like, part, I mean, the, you know, the part, it's part of their crazy adventure, but yeah, there's a lot this, of... This movie isn't a 
no, this movie is an advertisement for for drunk driving. I'd say it it kind of makes it look fun because the driving that they do, they seem to be having a good time with it. True. Yeah, that's a good point. I and mean, like they don't accidentally drive off the cliff. That's very much a deliberate thing. True. Well, is that necessarily an, an endorsement? So if you drunk drive, you might end up thinking it'd be a really good idea to drive off the Grand Canyon. I don't know. <laughs> but yes, there's a lot of it in this movie. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Drink whenever Louise says the line. I'm trying to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. You know so many times she says this? I didn't actually, but I can imagine it's a lot. She, yeah. says, she says that exact line about five times in the movie. Like word for word? Yeah. I guess she's always trying to figure out what to do. She, yeah, yeah. yeah. It never quite works out for her, but she's always trying <laughs> to figure out her next move. So. <laughs> Let me yeah. figure out what to do. I don't know. You know what? I'll call Harvey Keitel. He might know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mistakes <laughs> were made. Mistakes <laughs> were made, Louise. I have drink for mullets. Yeah. Again, nice. it is very much the time of the mullet, the era of the mullet, that very early 90s, end of the 80s hangover also obviously in south america mm-hmm. the mullets are on full display yeah um similarly to on display drink for muscles mm-hmm. so there's the, the, there's i mean there's just... brad pitt's obviously yeah his uh wiry fat free frame yeah but then also yes daryl um gina davis's husband yeah. has ridiculous biceps <laughs> he's just ludicrously proportioned that man so yeah. yeah i agree um and like they're just everywhere there was one point where they stopped at like a um, a petrol station or something mm. and just in the background there's just a... <laughs> some guy working out yeah, yeah. You saw I that saw too, that yeah. too yeah. <laughs> I don't know like it's a completely normal thing sure but like it was just that's a decision to put that in there very much so yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right there was a lot of that I'd love to like know what the reason is I'd love to know what the reasoning was it's supposed to be like masculinity and they're like on the, on the run for masculinity I guess I, I don't know I don't know yeah the, the, you're right there were a lot of like biceps and triceps in this movie I yeah. agree yeah <laughs> Uh, drink every time one of the women makes a poor choice. Yeah. Like I said, just, just so many, it, it, it's, it's almost tragic. There's so many times when they, I think they could have got away with it. I think if they just killed the guy and then just driven straight to Mexico. Mm-hmm. In a different car. In a different car, gone through Texas, maybe mm-hmm. they could have made it. Yeah. But it just keeps getting worse. It, it just, yeah. it, it keeps snowballing. And every, every time. One or both of them makes a bad decision. It starts with bringing the gun at all. Mm-hmm. That is immediately, you know, if they didn't have the gun, a lot of this wouldn't have happened. Mm, well, she wouldn't have shot him. She yeah. would have had no, no, no way to shoot him. Yes, but she'd also had no way to stop the rape. I'm, I'm, I'm I, of course, of course. But I'm just saying, like, I mean, the, I'm, I'm not, I'm very much not pro guns. Yeah, but uh, in that scenario. The, the garden was uh, a good little tool to have. It was, it was. I'm not saying otherwise, but just from that moment on, every decision they make is a bad one from the constant calling yeah. back to home, leaving the money with Brad Pitt, you know, just mm-hmm. mistakes are made, not switching the car. Mistakes mm-hmm. are made, mistakes are made. Definitely, yeah. Drink for the line, excuse me, you're standing in your pizza. I mean, it only happens once, but it's <laughs> such a good time. That, sure, I'll take a drink for that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just didn't, which is one of those iconic comedy lines that you just don't see coming. Yeah. And it's it doesn't it doesn't require anything else for that line to just be funny in itself. It almost feels like an ad lib, doesn't it? Because it's just <laughs> so completely not necessary, but so hilarious and brilliant. Yeah. Excuse me, you're standing in your pizza. Yeah. Well, I certainly had drink every time Daryl is a complete do- goon, goof. Oh, yeah, definitely. Putz, whatever, idiot. Yeah. 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 Uh, still on the fashion tip, drink every time you spot a cowboy hat or a 10-gallon hat, whatever oh, yeah. you want to call it, yeah. Yeah. In the bar scene, they are plentiful, but they're throughout the movie, really. It, it, it is the time and place for them, so yeah. that's a very fruitful one. Drink for stark weather changes. You never mm. noticed that it would like hard cut from a, like a torrential rainstorm to just, it's dry as ass out there. 
Yeah, there's that weird scene when the pl- all the police officers rock up at Daryl's mm. front door and they're all just like giggling about the weather. And I'm like, yeah. was this scripted? <laughs> was, this yeah. just the way it was, was this just the weather this day? Yeah, it's, I forgot about that. It just seemed like very random, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all either... And it's not even location-based. No. Like, it's not like it was just raining where Daryl lives and it was not raining where they are. Mm. Because like at one point, Brad Pitt shows up and it's kind of like it's torrential rain again. Yeah, I wonder if they just had to work with the weather they had. Because I, I don't understand why you would sit down... What what, what possessed you to sit down and write that scene if mm. it wasn't necessary? Like, Not yeah. that it's a bad scene, it's just like, why would you think about that? Sorry, in which scene? The scene with the police officers being like, <laughs> a bit of rain, it's crazy. Like, it just, yeah. it just seemed very out of place. But yeah, I don't know. I think Brad Pitt, they just wanted to get him wet, yes, let's definitely. be honest. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, my last one is... My favorite one, though, is drink anytime any other vehicle is on the road. <laughs> you know what? You're not going to... You're going to drink, but you're not, not going to Not often, loads. no. It's, I mean, I know America's a big country, and I'm sure there are a lot of long stretches of road where you could conceivably drive for a long time without seeing anyone. Mm-hmm. But it is crazy how much of this movie takes place on the road, and there are just no other cars. Not a single vehicle to be seen. Yeah. It's mad. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Anytime you see another vehicle in the background drink I to- yeah, yeah totally agree that works um okay last ones i've got i've got drink for great scenery mm-hmm. um i'm surprised this one didn't get a cinematography nomination because it looks fantastic it is stunning yeah there's a lot of really lovely cinematography in this movie i yeah. agree yeah um uh, great music mm. as well oh my sorry i did have one for drink for distracting musical cues Sure. The music's really good in this movie, but it's also very loud. Is it? No, I didn't know. I, didn't I felt that. like a lot of scenes, it was like the music was just being blasted from another room. Right. Yeah. Mm, no, I didn't Not necessarily that. criticism, but it was, just like, it was very distracting. Yeah. yeah, last one I've got is Drink for Green Screen. Oh, I do wonder know? how much of this was filmed on location and how much of it was just them sat in a car in a studio. I feel like a lot of it was probably on location, to be honest. I didn't really notice any noticeably dodgy green screen. Oh, there definitely were. Okay. Yeah. There was was one towards the end. It wasn't the end, but there was was one towards the end that was very much... Yeah. Well, maybe it was reshoots or something. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I think it might have been the first half of the car chase, you know, before they drive under the low bridge. Okay. I think it was that bit. And, like, the two of them are clearly just sat in a studio. Okay. Oh, fair I'll be honest... I think I was so engaged by this movie, I just didn't pick up on it. I wasn't really Great, looking yeah. for bad visuals, but I don't doubt it, it 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 may well have happened. So Yeah. And one thing I, I noticed, which I've learned from just watching millions of videos about little nitpicks on, on YouTube. Sure. In the scene, in the first half of the, uh, of, of the car chase before they go under the bridge. Uh-huh. So there's that one scene where they're driving and then there's like 20 police cars in a row, like... 50 meters behind them and they're driving at the same speed and you get this big wide shot of them driving on the sandy desert sure yeah it's already covered in tire tracks ah uh, because it wasn't cause... their first take oh that's a good one. Oh, that's gonna ruin so many good movie chases yeah yeah, yeah. see i don't like those channels sometimes they just take the joy out of things oh no, I, I, I love it i know you do <laughs> <laughs> um yeah now, now i'm into that sort of thing for star trek like there was this time in when Picard went down and his badge wasn't on his uniform, we all thought it was an in-universe thing, but actually the makeup people just lost his badge. <laughs> Fun story. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%? Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. 
How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. So, listeners, if that wasn't enough drinking games for you and you feel like you probably should have had some more, you didn't get enough bang for your buck, mm-hmm. well, you can come and give us some buck by, <laughs> <Wow>. going, to, <laughs> um, Go on. by going to patreon.com slash set where you can get extended versions of these episodes. Mm-hmm. You get more drinking games, more sequel ideas, more listener submissions, literally more bang for your buck. Yes. Um, so, yeah, you get that. You also get a few other bonus features, such as a bonus show, where every week, Mish, we review, uh, we, we, re- I always want to say we review cinema releases, but I'm trying to find something else that just covers yeah. it all. We we review recent releases, recent films. Yeah, yeah. we're currently like knee deep in Oscar season. Yeah, plowing through those feel good movies of this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've also just had Justice League um, put up there. We're also going to have Godzilla vs King Kong quite soon. Oh yes, exciting. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. So you know what? There's all sorts. There's there's something for everyone right now. Indeed, I would say. There's a Pixar film coming out in a couple of months. Oh, is there? Yeah, I think so. On Disney Plus or in the cinemas? Uh, both, I imagine. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, so there's that. Uh, and you also get a 30-second advert slot on the main show where you can talk about whatever it is that you feel like talking about. So all that available at patreon.com slash beyond the box set. Indeed. Okay, do you want to go first or shall I go first? I think it's up to you. Do you want me to go first? Uh, okay, well, I've got two. Um, we'll see. One of them you might want to cut out because it gets pretty dark. Okay. Um, but it's... It's short. Okay. And very silly. Go for it. So, for lack of a better, lack of a better title, Little Miss Sunshine does Thelma and Louise. Okay, I'm sensing what the crossover might be here. <laughs> you've, you've buried the lead, but I'm going <laughs> to dig it out. Go on. Um, my main idea is better. This one's sure. silly. So, the family, they get back together from Little Miss Sunshine. Okay. Um, but so every- this is a, Consider this a sequel to our last yeah. week's episode, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, but everybody is just more intense about their particular goals. Okay. You know, learning to fly, becoming a beauty pageant mm-hmm. destroyer or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> destroyer. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they're all a bit more intense about all those things to the extent that they commit a little crime or two. Oh, so so this isn't actually a sequel to Thelma and Louise with no. featuring Thelma and Louise. It's going to be Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine had the tragic arc that... Uh, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, I'm not going to do a thing where, like, the whole family gets raped or something. because that, That's pretty dark. Yeah. yeah. That's not really where <laughs> so, I want to go. So, yeah. just thinking, like, they just commit their own crimes. Just, mm-hmm. you know, little bits. Like, maybe he steals a plane at one point. Or, like, she competes in a beauty pageant in California, which is what she was told she's not allowed to do. Okay. Um, Little bit, little things like are that. Are you trying to build up to them being, like, chased by the police? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the police are after one or two of them at this point. But as a family unit, they decide they'll either all go down or none of them will. Very wholesome of them. Go yeah. On. So they basically just all start committing minor crimes. Like, well, if, you know. It's, While the, on the road. Yeah. Are they also still in the clapped out old yellow banger? Absolutely. Yeah, that make it a lot. The, the car in Little Miss Sunshine can't start. No. So they need to, like, push it and get it up to a certain speed. Yeah, imagine them doing that, but they're being chased by, like, 
loads of police cars. That'd be really funny. Yeah, well, that, that's the basis of this, basically. Sure, okay, yeah, sorry. Um, no, no, it's fine. So, yeah, the action builds and builds until eventually they have about 50 police cars chasing them. So mm. I'm just cutting right to the end here. Sure, yeah. Um, and they find themselves at the cliff area and just decide unanimously that they're going to commit suicide and drive off the edge. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's just the same as Thelma and Louise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I told you this got dark. Uh -huh. Now, unfortunately, the van won't start properly. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, they've got 50 police cars surrounding them mm -hmm. other than the, on the cliffside. And uh, yeah, so what are they going to do? Well, so they start just pushing the van as mm. normal, um, trying to get it as quick as possible. And so the plan is for them to all jump in and accelerate up to speed, just sort of clear the cliff and then jump into the van as well, it no, or, well, or already be in the van sure get it up to speed so it like but they need to run outside it to get to it up push to it first velocity yeah. yeah so so yeah they try that but they don't get everyone in in time and you know because they run out of because they, they run out of space they absolutely don't get up to a decent enough speed for like a big dramatic moment a dramatic moment, yeah. a dramatic suicide moment yeah Instead, um, Abigail Breslin, the only person who doesn't get in at this point, she was the last person to go. Okay. So she just basically stands and watches as the van, only going at like a slow jogging pace, just like slowly rolls off the edge. Oh, no. And just like, imagine Homer Simpson going down the gorge. Yeah, just yeah, Just sort yeah, of like that. rolling and bouncing and oh, stuff no. like that. And it's, it's, it's not good. It's not been a big, like, definitive suicide. That's a depressing like, way to end die. End of story. Yeah. It, it comes to a stop at the bottom of the ravine and like she can hear some groaning oh no um, and like you know somebody starts dragging themselves out and she's like oh my god this is so terrible their suicide didn't work and like she was supposed to be in the van and everything but then the fuel catches fire and the van spectacularly explodes in a way which would definitely have killed them all and she's like Phew, god that was lucky that was nearly terrible for them and that's it. Oh, wow. That is very dark. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the Austin Powers-ness of it all of like, oh, I'm not quite dead, but I'm badly hurt. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. The idea of Abigail Breslin just having to like sit and watch them all be killed is that, 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 that's that's bleak. But uh, I can see what you're going for, though. Again, feel free to cut that out. No, no, no. I think that's that's that that's something, certainly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's not my main idea. Thank God. But uh, yeah. so... Basically taking the, the saddest moment of film in Louise and applying it to a film in, in which an eight-year-old child just has to witness the whole thing. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they chomp at the bit to get that commissioned, Harry, that sequel. That's the one that's going to make us our fortunes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great. All right. Do you want to go on? Yeah, I can do mine. Okay. So I've just got the one. It's uh, called Thelma and Louise 2, A Woman Scorned. Nice. Yeah. It's a direct sequel. It picks up immediately at the end of the original film. So yeah. at the fade to white moment. Sure. So the car goes over the cliff into mm -hmm. the Grand Canyon. We freeze frame. We fade to white. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to fade back in again, I guess, as the sequel comes in. Yeah. And as the car goes over, due to the force of leaving the air or maybe just the winds or just like, it, maybe there's like, a, it catches a rock on the way over. Mm -hmm. Something happens. Louise, Susan Sarandon, is thrown from the car. Okay. And she lands miraculously on a nearby crevice. She just falls straight down and hits like a crevice. <laughs> not a big le not a big drop. Yeah. Only superficial injuries. Okay. So she survives, but she's forced to watch in absolute horror as the car continues to go over, crashes mm -hmm. dramatically. Thelma is killed instantly. Mm -hmm. uh, Gina Davis, she's dead. She's right. been killed. There's no surviving that. She's yeah. fully been killed. But Louisa survived. And then obviously the massive amount of the, the police helicopter, Harvey Keitel, mm -hmm. the snipers... They all run up over and grab her and 
you know, before she can do anything else, they've basically bundled her into the back of the car and they arrest her and uh, right. she's taken away. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, that's quite the opening. It's quite a dramatic opening, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they've rescued her from imminent death, but of course, after a spell in hospital to recover from this traumatic experience, mm-hmm. she is then charged with homicide, assault with a deadly weapon, and criminal damage, and I guess anything else that maybe has come up in this crime spree that she's been on with, mm-hmm. with Thelma. Her ex-boyfriend Jimmy, though, the oh, yeah. uh, Michael Madsen character, mm-hmm. he testifies in her defense, as does Harvey Keitel. They're both very sympathetic to her, and they, they kind of you know, plead her defense in the court of like, you know, she was in a very stressful situation and it wasn't really her fault. And, you know, they were were defending themselves initially, all this kind of stuff, basically. And they managed to get her, not off, there's no getting off from what they did, Mm -hmm. but they managed to get her sentence down to a relatively lenient 10 years, Mm. which has turned into seven for good behavior. So she only serves a few, seven years in prison. Sure. It's hard, but, you know, it's not Yeah, I mean, she she murders two people. Indeed, yeah. As in, because she would go down for Thelma's murder. She was oh, I wouldn't say Thelma's murder. I guess she was driving though, but... A minimum manslaughter. Sure. Well, whatever. She gets seven to ten. She gets seven to ten. Yep. Uh, and then she goes to prison. And while there, she undergoes extensive therapy, obviously, for the traumatic experiences that she's been through. Mm-hmm. But she also meets many other women who've also been criminalized due to traumatic events in their lives. You know, sure. whether they've been abused or whether they've just, you know, not had opportunities, whatever it might be. Uh, or maybe some have even been falsely accused. You know, there's mm. lots going on. And she becomes a bit of a prison mother figure, you know, because she's tough, but she also cares. So mm-hmm. I'm not doing an Orange is the New Black crossover because we've done that many a time before and it's a bit unoriginal. But I'm <laughs> definitely... yeah. For us, yeah. But I'm thinking definitely that in the context of Susan Sarandon's character in prison, she's a bit of a red type, you know. Yeah. She is the tough as nails, you know. She, she manages to make it work in prison for her and she's... You know, to be fair, caring. we've always... We've for quite a while said that we've... Uh, overdone Orange is the New Black. We've probably not done it in like two or three years now. True. I think we overdid it early and then we've not <laughs> gone back. But yeah. there's no reason for this to be a direct crossover. No, That's definitely. not where I'm going. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's definitely inspired by, you know, women's prison experiences. Mm-hmm. That's definitely inspired by it. She, so she definitely becomes like the Kate Mulgrew, you know, mm-hmm. red type character, you know. Yeah. You, you know, since has got red hair, it fits, you know. Yeah. She's very much a prison mother. And I'm thinking there could also be like a villainous prison guard who's like a nemesis who like treats all the prisoners like shit and doesn't think they can be rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that character could be played by Jessica Lange from, Amer- from American Horror Story. I don't know if you've seen any of those No, shows. I don't know who that is. Well, only because she also starred with Susan Sarandon in a show that I know you didn't watch called Feud. Right. It was a TV series about the actresses Betty Davis and Joan Crawford from ah, right. Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they pl- uh, Susan Sarandon played Betty Davis jessica lang played joan crawford Mm -hmm. but it was about these two like feuding older women so i'm just thinking you could like have a feud revival by just having jessica lang as like the evil prison warden versus susan sarandon as uh, you know the inmate basically so that could be like the story of the first half of the film susan sarandon in prison as a prison mother figure trying to do battle with a kind of sadistic punitive prison guard played by jessica lang that, that's mm-hmm. the movie in itself so that's the first half basically but all the time all the while that she's in prison louise is still utterly traumatized and devastated by Felma's death she mm-hmm. completely blames herself and we're going to follow her through the all the years of her in prison as well as all the other stuff that's going on she's also kind of really working through that grief and trying to come to terms with what happened and mm-hmm. her own role in it and how guilty she feels basically so yeah. that's gonna be a big part of the movie but finally she serves out her time She's done her seven to 10 years mm-hmm. and she's released back into society. And then the second half of the film is going to follow her as she kind of tries to rehabilitate herself. 
And I'm thinking that Jimmy, again, the boyfriend, has waited for her. Like mm-hmm. he, he's yeah. he's uh, he stayed by her side, and so he, he takes her in when she gets out of prison and helps her to kind of rehabilitate her life and turn it around. But she has come out with like no qualifications for anything, and you know she's mm-hmm. was a waitress before, and now she's been in prison, so she's she's got some hard times ahead, basically. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking he helps her through, he supports her, all this kind of stuff. And at a certain point, after a while, after she's been out for long enough to kind of process what happened to her, she decides to write her story. Yeah. So she writes a book. She starts writing a book about, it's a fascinating story about how she went on this, you know, crime spree and then went to prison and all of her life experiences go into this book, basically. Mm-hmm. So she starts writing and the book is published and it becomes a huge bestseller. It's like a real human interest story. And mm. so, you know... Yeah. It, it's all about women's experiences in prison and, you know, the, the justice system and how, how it doesn't look after women who've been sexually assaulted. There's loads of layers to it. It's a huge, huge success. Mm. And she ends up going on the Oprah Winfrey show and you know, being interviewed about the book and about her life and all of this. And that makes the book sell even more copies. Mm-hmm. And then she ends up even getting the Presidential Medal of Freedom, like the President of the United States at the time. Mm-hmm. She's invited to the White House. She's granted a full pardon for all of her crimes. Wow. Okay. She re- oh that sorry, I've jumped ahead. So she the book comes out, it's a huge success. She goes on Oprah mm-hmm. and she uses the funds from the book to set up the Felma Dickinson, because that was Felma's surname. Mm-hmm. I looked it up on Wikipedia. She uses her funds to set up the Felma Dickinson Refuge for Women, which is a safe space for women who have been traumatized, abused, or depressed, whatever. Yeah. And this shelter is a massive success and she becomes uh, a kind of a national figure, a national spokeswoman for like battered women or women's issues or, you know, women's rights and all this kind of stuff. So she's becomes this huge charitable, you know, she's really turned it around. Mm-hmm. And then she gets invited to the White House and is granted the Presidential Medal of Freedom for all of her achievements in fundraising. Wow, okay. And the president fully pardons her for all of her sins, for all of her crimes. Which president are we talking? It's probably Obama or Biden. It's not going to be Trump, let's be real. Okay. But yeah, a good president gives her a full pardon for all of her crimes and yeah. she's fully turned her life around and it's great and it's mm-hmm. like the happiest happy ending you could think she's really fully turned it around yeah i'm sensing this isn't the end it's not the end okay so all of that happens we see her like getting the pardoning from the president maybe you see him shaking her hand mm-hmm. and then it fades to white again mm-hmm. the movie fades to white and then we fade back in to jimmy the boyfriend mm-hmm. the ex-boyfriend or the ex-husband whatever he was sat at a typewriter with a picture of louise in like a, a portrait oh dear yeah. Oh, John. Well, I think this is really good. <laughs> Bit you, bleak, yeah. you would. <laughs> so what we're going to realize is that actually there was no miraculous being thrown from the car. Uh-huh. Louise did die that day alongside Felmer. They yeah. both died in the car crash, as you would expect. Yeah. But Jimmy, the, the one good man in the whole film, mm-hmm. he was so grief-stricken and guilt-ridden by the fact that he wasn't able to save her or help her the way he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he loved her right till the end. He wanted to remarry her or marry her, whatever. Yeah. And so through his grief and his guilt for not being able to rescue her, he wrote a story, a fictional story, that gave her a happier ending. Right, okay, yeah. So, yeah, it ends with him. Maybe that book gets published, but it ends with him typing up his happy ending for for Louise, the fictional ending, Mm -hmm. looking at that photo, maybe he kisses the photo frame or something, hangs it back up, says, I'm sorry, Louise, and uh, credits roll. Yeah. Bit of a downsy ending, I know. Yeah. But I also thought it'd be quite powerful and, you know, wouldn't betray the ending of the original film because it's not like, oh, retro's, you know, it's not like, oh, retro, they actually survived. It's, you know, it is allowing that to yeah, be the end. Yeah, but also it's a classic, like, the whole thing was a dream. I'm not or, saying it's not cheesy, but I'm just saying... Or, I'm you gonna, know, the ending of Star Trek Enterprise, the whole thing was on the holodeck. Exa- yeah, I'm not saying it's not a cheese fest, but I just wow. thought that might be a, a nice way to go for it. Wow, well, okay, well, I'm going to show you how a real story goes. Okay, well... <laughs> <laughs> 
I was quite proud of that one, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> um, no, it was good. Thank you. Oh, I don't need your fucking pity. <laughs> <laughs> don't patronize me. <laughs> okay, so mine, uh-huh. um, similar to yours, we pick up the end of the original movie, oh. direct sequel, replaying some of the last scene. So it's them in the car, they're holding hands, and they're driving towards the cliff edge. Sure. They go over, mm-hmm. and the camera pans down as the car drops down the ravine until a mound of rocks blocks the car from sight, leaving F8 unknown for a couple seconds. Okay. And then the car soars above this mound of rocks as it flies into the sky. It's oh, a flying no. car. Oh, nice. Is it like the car from Greece? Yeah. Okay. It's called Thelman Louise 2 Flying Thunderbird, which is the model of the car. I mean, it's certainly a twist, but I'll go with it. Is this like the M. Night Shyamalan sequel or something? <laughs> Absolutely could be. Okay. So, so they're flying in the car. So yeah, unknown to them previously, mm-hmm. it's a flying car. Okay. Um, <laughs> Chitty bang bang. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, we get, after, after the credit, we get them looking confused at each other. But then in the rear view mirror, Louise sees that the helicopter's chasing them. All right. I was going to say, could is this like one of those, is it real or is it not, where it could be that they just died and now they're like flying off to heaven in their flying car? No, John, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do with you and just pretend that the whole thing was a dream at the end or something like All that. All right, fine. This, so, this is a real story. This is based in reality. They're in a flying yeah. car. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. This is non-fiction now. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so the helicopter is chasing them. Okay. So Louise floors it. Right, okay. Gonna Into start. the sky. Oh, well, well um, they're still down in the um in in the grand canyon so it's going to be like sort of in and out of the rocks okay um remember remember that scene in both independence day and more recently at the start of falcon and the wind soldier if you have watched it no i did watch it the first episode yes so the 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 car is flying but it's having to dodge around the ravine yeah yeah yeah, Yeah, yeah. okay so they're trying to outmaneuver the helicopter essentially i see i see okay um so uh yeah she floors it now we're gonna have a. This is gonna be a right good bit of action just to get us into the film. Just sure, like, yeah. Yeah, you know, really start off with a bang, but also it's gonna be sort of raising the crime level that they have done, mm-hmm. um, because eventually they do outmaneuver the helicopter, and the helicopter crashes into a ball of flames, killing Harvey Keitel. Oh my God, these women! Yeah. The body count's getting higher and higher. <laughs> so yeah, they fly away and land the car on the other side of the, of the canyon, having completely escaped the police for now. Mm-hmm. They just kind of sit there out of breath for a little while and just let themselves calm down because, oh my God, we'd both tried to kill ourselves and then this car started flying and now we're it's, over here. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take on, I agree. Yeah. And then they have a bit of a conversation. Thelma turns to Louise and asks, this is a flying car? Yeah. <laughs> and Louise says, I, I I, guess this car can fly. So now for them new. This is yeah. new information for them, yeah. Okay. Uh, Louise, you, you didn't know your car could fly? Of course I didn't, Thelma. You, did you think that I would have kept that a secret from you when we were on the run for our lives? I don't know what cars you've been in, but cars don't fly. You're nailing the southern accent, by the way. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, and she's like, well, I think this one actually flies, Louise. Duh, you think? <laughs> We've got a flying car. We've got a flying car! Oh, then they realise this is a very good figure. They're really right? excited. So. Sure, yeah. Okay, Louise, what do we do now? Do we still go to Mexico? I've got a question, sorry. Yes. Is this a car that has a flight option that they weren't aware of until it kicked in? Or is it a car with a personality that has decided I'm going to fly now? Uh, I was thinking just a flight option. Okay. Um, so it's not, it's not chitty chitty bang bang. No, but then I was thinking, uh, I've not uh, written the end of this, but I was thinking to either have a, a reveal at the end or maybe just in the next sequel that the car does have a personality. Okay. And so the car is its own, they, they, you know, they need to give it a name, Thunderbird or whatever. Okay. Well, take me to where you're at and we'll decide from there. Okay. Um, yeah, so, okay, Louise, what what do we do now? Do we still go to Mexico? I don't know, Thelma, 
Let me figure out what to do. <laughs> Drink. So, yeah, she sits back and closes her eyes. Right, they know we're going to Mexico, so they'll be expecting that. So now that we've got a flying car... Canada? Let's go to Canada. Good call. Just stay in the air. Yeah. So just, great. Now, another road trip, the opposite direction, back the way they came. Fantastic. To an extent. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what they do. They turn the car around and drive towards the cliff edge, taken off as they do so. Uh-huh. They drive high so as not to be seen by the police cars down below. But as the air gets thinner, they struggle to breathe. Oh, dear. Both of them pass out. Oh, no. Thelma awakens first, sat in the passenger seat, though. And they're in a nosedive. Oh, God. So, like, they're heading straight down towards the ground and, like, they're not ready to die right now. Mm -hmm. Earlier, yes, maybe. Now, no. She shakes Louise to wake her up. Louise looks around, confused, sees what's going on, grabs the wheel and pulls them out of the nosedive at the very last minute. Oh, thank God. Narrowly missing a herd of cattle. Mm -hmm. She lands again on a stretch of road and pulls to a stop in a lay-by. Thelma asks what's happened and Louise snaps back that she needs to figure out what to do. Drink. Drink. You really got hung up on this line reading. I, I didn't even notice. <laughs> now, while they're there, a police car pulls up behind them because, you know, there's lots of police in the area. Cause, sure. Yeah, and uh, starts to get out of his car. Louise notices and very quickly pulls away. So they start yet another police chase. Mm-hmm. just on the ground at this point. But they're clearly going to lose it. So Louise takes off again and flies off. She to... knows how to go into flight mode quite easily. Now. I guess, yeah. yeah she's figured yeah. it out, yeah. yeah it's, it's it's not really mentioned because no. I'm not going to go into the details of it. Yeah, the, it was that extra gear all the time. Just yeah, just, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it, was that, it was that button that she never knew what yeah. it did. But yeah, so they they fly away from this police car again, but they're going to stay low this time so they've still got air to breathe. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. Um, so they lose the cop, but while flying at this altitude, they accidentally fly through a flock of birds. Oh, no. And, uh, you know, they start to panic, but then hard cut to they've landed again. They're both out of breath. Mm-hmm. They've got very messy hair. It's full of feathers. So do you mean like the birds have gone through the like propellers and caused them to crash land? Well, they're not propellers. It's just a, it's a magic it? flying car. Okay. Well, no, they, they've just, it's, you, you, you don't see it. It's just hard cut to like their oh, reaction okay. to it. It's, I see. It's a comedy beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, their hair is full of feathers and like bits of bird and stuff. And it's oh. like, oh my God, that was terrible. So, yeah, Thelma says, Louise, I know it's every child's dream, but can we just drive this flying car on the ground, please? (laughs) (laughs) You said it, sister. So they carry on, on the road, heading north, and they pass by a road sign that says Las Vegas. Oh, wow. That's right. Going to Vegas. They're a long way from Canada. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they they were near the Mexican border, maybe. Yeah, no, true, yeah. So, yeah, that's where I've got to so far. I was thinking for different little uh, road trip mishaps. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that's why, why I threw Vegas in there. Sure, Vegas is a classic. Great yeah. things happen in Vegas. And uh, yeah, they have a flying car. Go. Well, okay. well that's, a, <laughs> that, that's a hard cut to me. Uh, okay, <laughs> so maybe they lose the flying car in Vegas in a bad gambling accident. I was thinking that. I, I was thinking to sort of redo, like instead of meeting Brad Pitt, like they meet you know, whoever the newest hunker spunk is. I've been watching too much. You've way been watching. <laughs> you've been watching way too much Kaffa Kim as well. Uh, um, <laughs> and then, like, he steals the car. Yeah, it could be like someone like Leonardo DiCaprio or someone playing like a sleazy casino owner or something. Yeah, like, yeah. someone who's in like Brad Pitt's circle of people. I don't yeah. Know. Oh, or maybe it could even be Brad Pitt. Like he's yeah, he's just a different character, or yeah. he's the same character who just keeps popping up in different. Yeah, I'm a croupier now. Look at yeah, me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, maybe so, yeah, they lose the car in a bet. That could be fun. Yeah. Sure, I think that, yeah, they lose it like to Brad Pitt and maybe that would be the best time to sort of introduce that this car has a personality. Uh-huh, yeah. And so it like, it drives Brad Pitt back to them. It brings himself, yeah, it yeah. comes home, yeah. Yeah, and we definitely have a lot of 
sort of comedic scenes of like Brad Pitt's trying to drive this car, but it's driving itself and he's scared and he's screaming and the car's doing its own thing. And then a car like takes off and flies away and he's like, ah, oh my yeah. God. And like, he just gets really, you know, just sort of embarrassed and scared and high pitched screaming. And sure. Stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think there should definitely be an extended sequence in Vegas where one of the women, probably Felma, gets them into all kinds of shit with just bad gambling decisions mm. and ends up losing the car to Brad Pitt who just yeah. pops up again. Yeah. Yeah. They eventually get it back off him. They hit the road for Canada again. Mm-hmm. And maybe, yeah, it is one of those road trips where they just keep in different states and different cities and they just keep stopping and randomly running into Brad Pitt. They just can't shake him. <laughs> and there's some kind of misadventure that follows. And yeah. it just takes them from state to state to state mm-hmm. until they finally arrive at the Canadian border. Mm-hmm. We're waiting for them. Maybe there's like the Air Force or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, what are you going to do now? You can't take off now. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they just, instead of going into Canada, they just fly out east, just into the Pacific yeah and then it's just left ambiguous like that they've just gone out to sea yep and who it know, fades away again and who knows where they're going to end up but yeah, yeah. so maybe something like that but mm-hmm. yeah so that was uh Thurman louise 2 flying thunderbird flying Fu- is that the name of the card the flying thunderbird it's just called a thunderbird like it's a real car oh that is the oh that is the car the car was a thunderbird so yeah. that's a flying thunderbird okay yeah i like it it's pretty yeah. good yeah uh, that could be a good i enjoyed that as kind of like a i feel like if you were going to take filming louise the film and turn it into like filming louise the comic strip mm-hmm yeah, yeah, yeah. That could work that, really well. Yeah, could be like a serialized thing where every week they have a new misadventure. Yeah. You know, it, there's no like, defi- there's no like definitive ending. Just every week it's filming Louise and their crazy flying car and occasional <laughs> guest appearances by Brad Pitt mm-hmm. have a new misadventure in a different state. It could go through every state in America, like all 50. Yeah. Except, well, all 49 except Texas. Yeah. Uh, Texas is the one they never go to. <laughs> so it could, yeah, it could just be, yeah, a, the road trip that never ends in comic book form. Mm-hmm. That could be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Apparently there was a... Uh, um, a real pitch made to Susan Sarandon that she was actually like offered a role for um, for a sequel to this where the two of them come back as ghosts. I am glad she turned that down. Yeah, me too. <laughs> also, I kind of would have liked to have seen it. I mean, yeah, not going to lie. Same, yeah. Well, uh, I, I don't know what would happen if they would just go around haunting rapists or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. There could be some fun there or or not. Yeah. Did you read about the casting for this film? Like, no. Well... Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis were not the first choices. This film went through many iterations of like trying to find the perfect pair of actresses to play these mm-hmm. roles together. Because it's not just about getting one good actress. You need to get off like... Oh, yeah. It's they both, they need together. to be yeah. perfect together. And they, they really couldn't have done better. But yeah, yeah. it was initially supposed to be, I believe, I read it was supposed to be Michelle Pfeiffer and Jodie Foster. Okay. Could have worked. Yeah. Maybe. I think, I think they're a bit too movie starish. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, and then, well, Jodie Foster ended up leaving this and doing Sounds of the Lambs, which obviously worked out for yeah, her. Great. Yeah, great. Uh, then it was going to be uh, Frances McDormand and Holly Hunter, which I think would have worked very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, it would have yeah. almost been more gritty because they're both like very like real, you mm-hmm. know, and they're both actually, I think they both could do a Southern accent very well. Mm-hmm. Then it, for a brief time, it was considered for Meryl Streep and Cher, which, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> That yes. is a very different movie. I feel like it would have been a very different film. But yeah. yeah. But I, I would definitely love to see that. Which one's which? I think Cher would have to be Susan Sarandon because she's like no nonsense. Yeah. Cher doesn't have any bullshit. Yeah, that makes Mer- sense. Meryl would have been Gina Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Would have been weird, but maybe, yeah. Yeah. But then ultimately they landed on, I think, the perfect choice, which was oh, yeah, Susan definitely. Sarandon and Gina Davis. So you couldn't have done better. But yeah. If uh, if Meryl had played it, would she have beaten Jodie Foster to the Oscar? I mean, maybe. She already had two and Jodie Foster only had one. So, mm. yeah. Mm, yeah, hard to say yeah i mean i i, I lo- we'll never do it on this podcast because it, ha- it has like three sequels but sounds of the lambs is one of my all-time favorite films and i'm mm, yeah I've would never, once actually, i would why. never take the oscar away from judy foster it's an amazing performance so mm-hmm. but yeah 
yeah cool. so there you go good sequels though very yeah. good yeah right should we move on to we got some patreon submissions oh, oh do we this week i don't, I don't have any there's no time sorry oh, well, I've, only got, I've, I've got one from uh, from my own louise okay Oh yeah, by the way, I did, I did forget to mention to, uh, to to listeners that if they become Patreon, they get to do these live call-ins. Yes, this is, a, this is a feature. You've got two options. You can either become a Patreon and give us a, a minimum of $2 a month, or you can sleep with Harry. Either way, you, uh, <laughs> you get to be part of this part of the show. <laughs> Hi guys, just wanted to start by thanking you for bringing the film that invented the scream laugh to the podcast. Uh, ah! Ah! There's a lot of that in this film, um, which I'm not complaining about. I absolutely loved. I think it's now my life goal to be like Thelma, Gina Davis's character in this film, only slightly smarter, but only slightly. Um, Sequel-wise, well, you know, when John said there was absolutely loads of places that you could go with, you could count on me, uh, yeah, I mean, this film is the film where you could really just go wild with your sequels, let's be honest. Uh, Sequel-wise, I think I'd probably start with them landing that crazy-ass jump and making it through to Mexico, having some sort of, like, crazy life. Um, the capers that they, they get on, like, I don't know, maybe they, like... Oh, yeah, they maybe they do go and open that bar in Mexico, something like that. It's about as far as I've got with that, but um, well done. This film was great. I really enjoyed it. All right. See you guys next week. Bye. Thank you, Louise. Very good. I, I like it. I like the idea of just seeing what their dream was, like them living out their yeah, dream. Yeah, I, I, wanted, I wanted to see their happy ending in Mexico. Actually, yeah. I really wanted to see that. Yeah, yeah I think that'd be really, really good. for as like crazy kids, yeah. It's like an alternative end or like a like, like an extended extended film where they just put an extra hour on the end. It's like, this is the old, this is what could have happened. Yeah, because at the end of the film, when it fades to, in the actual film, when it fades to white, you get the flashbacks. So it's like a, the best of of the film yeah and that's very affecting because you Definitely, know you, yeah. you feel like oh they've been on a real journey and they love each other whatever but it could also have been like oh this is the life they dreamed of and maybe in in, in heaven or whatever you know not mm. to be too cheesy they're on they're on the beach in mexico having their dream life that could just have worked yeah. just as well yeah yeah so, no that that's, that'd be really that's, good. That's good yeah i like that a lot well done louise cool yeah. great i have some listener submissions as well sure uh so j alex boyd said felma and twoies we, we do love a good pun yeah yeah Cheryl Lightfoot said, Thelma and Louise's excellent adventure, in which they're saved by George Carlin's character from uh, Bill and Ted. Great, yeah. In, yeah. in his TARDIS, and they time travel and meet deaf and stuff. <laughs> sure. <laughs> to, to be honest, like a Bill and Ted style movie, but with these two instead. Very watchable. Yeah. Entirely watchable, yeah. Yeah. No, I'll be up for that. Indeed. Uh, Melody McShark said, that's a great name, by the way. Yeah. Melody McShark. It seems like they went off the cliff. But instead, it was a cloud of dust covering a long rock bridge, much like the Roadrunner cartoons. <laughs> they both stick their tongues out and shout, meep, meep, <laughs> and proceed to escape where, wherever Wonder Woman came from and never experience sexism again. Wow, okay. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah. That was well thought out, yeah. Yep. Lots going on with that one. <laughs> I love the idea of them being like, meep, meep. <laughs> uh, Zach Dawson said, they open up a cupcake shop and live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are rooting for them. Mm-hmm. Brad Stone, not Brad Pitt, Brad Stone. <laughs> Maybe you mind Brad Stone in a Brad Pitt. But, uh, sorry. John, that was awful. That was terrible. I've had three beers. Uh, Brad oh, Stone gosh. said, Feldman Louise 2, still driving. Yep. Justine Weisinger said, Feldman uh, and Louise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Feldman, uh, oh, yeah. Dumber, you know. Yep. Yeah. 
Luke Yont said, They do die at the end, but it turns out this movie is set in the same cinematic universe as Beetlejuice, and they have to <laughs> navigate through re- being recently deceased. Ah, now, okay. I like that because Gina Davis already plays a ghost in Beetlejuice, so is she meeting uh, herself? Yeah. Or is it like different versions of her? I like that a lot. Kevin Murray said, they, they actually make the jump and go on to become famous daredevil stunt drivers. Yep, brilliant. And this last one, it's kind of your idea, but before you came over, it was my favorite mm-hmm. variation. So I guess that's good for you. Carly T. Ogborn said, they drive over the cliff, but it turns out they're in the car from Greece. Nice. So it flies. And then finally, finally, Nick Roseblade said, the car flies and now they're on the run, but in space. <laughs> so they drive fully, they drive off the planet into orbit. Great. And they're still being chased by Harvey Keitel and the police in space. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a lot of fun. Yep. That was good. So thank you everybody for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue in any podcasting platform, including Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which you can also leave a five-star review if you so wish. It really helps us to reach new listeners. Mm-hmm. You can also support us on Patreon for as much or as little as you think we're worth, and you'll get access to all the bonus features we've discussed already, including being part of our live call-ins. You can find all the relevant links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. Yep. And next week, Harry, yep. I'm going to continue our road trip theme with a movie choice of my own. Sure. I'm taking a little risk here because I've not actually seen this movie myself, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to be a you can count on me risk. I think this is, <laughs> I'm confident this will be a good time. Mm-hmm. I feel very confident in this choice. Yeah. I'm going to choose next week. You and me are going to do a little movie called True Romance. True Romance. Who's in it? Uh, Patricia Arquette. Yeah. Uh, other people. It was written by Quentin Tarantino. Okay. So I feel like that's a good time. Sure. I think this will be, a, I've not seen it, but I've heard only good things. And I think it will be, if nothing else, interesting. I don't think it's going to be like a big depressing bleak, you know. Yeah. It's going to be a Tarantino movie. So it's going to be a lot of, <laughs> lot of fun. So, yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's pretty reliable. Pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty good. Writer. He didn't direct it. He only wrote it. Okay. But even so. I, I like that combo. I yeah. Think. This could work. Yeah. So yeah. we'll find out. So join us next week, listeners, for True Romance. Yeah. Thank you for listening. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You do? Well, you're lucky. You be sweet to him, especially your wife. My husband wasn't sweet to me. Look how I turned out. <laughs>